Hey, everybody. My name is Drew Horning, and you're about to listen to a conversation with Jason Eric Henneke. I met Jason Eric standing next to him in a circle in the White Sulphur Springs classroom as he belted out with a beautiful voice, It's a Wonderful World, and turned and introduced myself to him. And he said, my name is Jason Eric Henneke. So I didn't get a chance to talk to him then. I hope you enjoy this conversation now with him. Welcome to Love's Everyday Radius, a podcast brought to you by the Hoffman Institute. My name is Drew Horning, and on this podcast, we catch up with graduates for conversations around how their internal work in the process is informing their life outside the process, how their spirit and how their love is living in the world around them, their everyday radius. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hoffman Podcast. My name is Drew Horning, and today on the show, we have Jason Eric Henneke. Welcome, Jason Eric. It's great to have you. I'm excited for this conversation. Thank you, Drew, for having me. Jason Eric, would you introduce yourself, please? Certainly. I am an individual who is seeking to live life to the fullest and in the most dynamic way possible and to explore every part of my life and any kind of limitation that I put upon my life to see what is possible within my human experience and how to have this human experience with this spirit-led way. And so I am a thriving classical homeopathic practitioner and spiritual director who works with astrology. I've been working with patients for 18 years this year, and I live and work in Stillwater, Minnesota. And I tell people I work with a sense of curiosity, wonder, and gratitude for the cosmos. So, I mean, that's a good place to start. A sense of wonder and curiosity for the cosmos. Yes. And gratitude. You know, that we have this opportunity to find out, you know, what we're made of with every day, you know, every opportunity that arises. We have this opportunity to see how will I show up now? And, uh, and this is something that has, you know, changed for me as a result of having attended the Hoffman Institute's process. I went to the process in July of 2005, and it's had a remarkable and profound and lasting effect on me. And that effect has cascaded like nectar into the world around me and nourished many, many people that I've worked with since that time. I love the cascading nectar metaphor. You have referred so many people to the process. It's almost part of your treatment plan as a homeopathy and spiritual director. Would you say it's, it's probably in the hundreds, is it not? Yes, it, it is in the hundreds. I refer many of my patients and directees, you know, many of the people that I work with to the process when we reach a point of 
a point where where the person has really taken the deep dive into their material the material of their childhood their life circumstance and we come to this place that you know that the ring pass not when we come to this place that the person says you know i just can't go any further or it feels as though i'm unable to heal beyond this point or as though i'm hopeless and you know this is what's going to keep me forever stuck this is the point at which i say you know there is this remarkable process that takes place many times a year that you could that could possibly you could possibly benefit from and i'm very circumspect i i rarely i don't tell any really details about the process except that it had a profound and lasting impact on my own life and experience would you tell us a bit about that like what why was the process so profound and lasting on your life what happened i grew up in the twin cities and i was a mystically inclined child like really immersed in nature art and you know really drawn to the cosmos i loved astronomy and astrology and you know all these kind of esoteric ways to look at the world and i was not like your typical everyday child i was very precocious and really misunderstood and feared by my peers and as a result in my childhood i was often verbally and physically assaulted by my peers throughout my childhood and this created a very large negative impact you know i was raised in a protestant catholic jewish community in the twin cities and i tried to understand this through my the religion of my childhood i like began to explore tibetan buddhism you know to just i was looking for every way to understand like why why are these things happening and why do i have the responses that i have to these events that happen and how do i get out of this cycle you know is it karma is it you know my destiny is there any way to do this differently and uh someone one of my people that i work with said hey i did this process and i was i was really listening and i thought i wonder if this could help me and so i finished i completed my homeopathic training in april of 2005 and i went to the process in july and it was it made just a tremendous impact on who I, who it is that i am so in terms of coming into this discovery of what is beyond this kind of these self-limiting false narratives that were placed upon me by my circumstances and my own unconscious patterns yeah i love this kind of questioning that you were engaged in like why is this happening what is this what what's going on here that's leading me to react this way and be the target of so much and then and then how do i undo it is it karma what how do i get get out of these self-limiting behaviors and thoughts and then that led you to the process i'm I'm aware that 
those two kind of happen at the same time, the finishing of your homeopathy degree and training and doing the process right around that same time. Is there, is there something there that that kind of came together at the same time as you started your practice? Well, as I was beginning my practice, I was realizing that all of these patterns of scarcity and poverty that I inherited from my parents unknowingly were like creeping into like, and creating this like wall of fear that we're saying, you know, can I do this? Am I healed enough to help others? As you're well aware, when you go to the process, you're asked to begin to explore patterns. You know, I now come to understand in many ways our um, neurobiological responses, right? Like my spiritual response to like, hey, I need to be loved, I need to be safe, I need to find my way here. And I began to understand, you know, I was able to take and look at these lists of patterns and I realized, oh, this is what we're doing in homeopathy. We're looking at all of the um, patterns which come as um, somatic, in a somatic language of um, physical symptoms, mental symptoms, emotional symptoms, and we're looking in homeopathy to find a remedy, a single remedy in classical homeopathy that helps the life force or the spirit of the individual to reset that neurobiological response and to begin to move from the state of survival into a state of thriving. And really, this is what the process does. The process has you do this searching inventory of the patterns that at one point served you, that at one point helped you to survive. And now they, you know, you, you get stuck in a rut. And one of my spiritual teachers said, what is the difference between a rut and, and the grave? You know, it's like, you've got to get out of the rut and you have to start living. So there's this way, I don't know if this is clear, but there's this way that while the process has a whole series of tools and methods to help a person to really get in touch with their life force, with their spirit, homeopathy does the same thing with a single remedy slowly over time. And the process is like this crucible, this place that you can come together with all of these people who really want to be healed at this very deep and profound level to really look at our human ways through a completely new lens and to be able to do something radically different with it. I love how you found the similarity in the work of the process and th its connection to the work you do in homeopathy. And Jason, Eric, I just have to say this, the use of the word life force and Will you say a bit more about what you mean when we talk about someone's life force? The premise of homeopathy is that each of us has a life force, which is this energy that enlivens the body. And that life force can be diminished because of mental causes, emotional causes, physical causes. The life force can be diminished or distuned 
and um, knock a person out of their own alignment with the cosmos, right? With the source of all life. And then what happens is that it sets the individual on a trajectory of dis-ease or illness. And so what we do is in homeopathy is we seek to find a single substance that can be made from a plant, an animal product, a mineral, right? Or something even extraordinary and imponderable, right? Or like magnets. Like there are many ways that we take and um, use a remedial substance, a remedy to stimulate that life force to say, hey, let's re-attune you. This also happens in the process in, in many different ways. They begin to hear their inner life force speak in this subtle, energetic way to say, hey, something you can do this differently. You don't have to be caught in this neurobiological response or a trauma response. You can do this differently and have a different life. You know, there's a saying in, in the process that when we are connected to spirit, it can feel like the universe is supporting us. And when we are, are fully in pattern, it sometimes can feel like the universe is conspiring against us. And part of what I hear, a part of what I hear in, in the homeopathy and the remedy solution is that the universe and its beings are very much in support of your life force. Those things are attuned with one another. And so if we give people a, a remedy that connects them to that life force, uh, it will help support its growth. Is that part of what it is? That's correct. And I just recently opened or uh, began to develop my own homeopathic training program called the Prometheus Homeopathic Institute with my co-founder Desiree Brazelton. And one of the things that we say is that the first remedy is love. The first remedy is love. And we say that what is needed for healing is a sense of curiosity and wonder and to cultivate in each individual homeopathic practitioner student we're cultivating their ability to to meet an individual who is suffering a spiritual being having a human experience who is suffering through an unprejudiced lens in our um, training program we're asking people to come forward and meet a person on the road with this first remedy, love, unconditional loving presence. And this is also what, what the process teaches when the process says, my life is my responsibility, right? That you can learn how to surrender to something greater than yourself and to come to find your true self, to, to come to this place with a very powerful honesty, self-honesty, to be able to shine in your wholeness and integrity as a living representative of love and light. What, what you said earlier about it can feel as though the cosmos is conspiring against you or the universe, 
this is a delusion, right? As long as there is life, you are connected to the life force, but your mind and your emotions can play tricks on you. The process uses all these tools to look in many and various ways to say, what are the ways that you are disconnected? Or what are the ways that you believe you are disconnected? Or experience the disconnect? And is it really true? I think about the lie of the dark side is we can experience it, but it's not true. It's a lie. In fact, part of what you're saying is that we were born connected. As human beings, we are all connected to the cosmos, the life force that lives around us and inside of us. And the first step is love. What a beautiful first step. And distinguishing it from romantic love. This is not about attraction or falling in love. This is a kind of capital L love that is deeper and more profound. Is that true? Yes, cor correct. This is the love of nourishment, nurturance, and safety, a profound sense of safety, that it is okay for me to bring forward my inner experience, regardless of what the response is in the world around me. Like I get to be who I am unabashedly, right? Like Jason, Eric, as you say that, I, I, right, unabashedly, as you say that, I think about you as a child on the playground and in school, being your unabashed, authentic self and being targeted as a result of that. Does that bring up some of those memories? Oh, absolutely. Because there were the, the times when I felt most free is when I would often get this negative response from people who were unable to be free themselves. There's this saying, what fires together, wires together. And so, like as a child, when I would just be in my creative, dynamic, mystical state on the playground, and others were, you know, were more constricted or unable to be in that way, you know, that elicited this kind of negative feedback response. And so there was this way that I felt like, hey, it really isn't safe to be who it is that I am in this world. But through both my, home my own homeopathic treatment and a long-time homeopathic therapeutic relationship with my homeopathic practitioner, and then going through homeopathic training, uh, which was four years, and then going to the process, all of a sudden I, I began to be aware, oh, actually, that is a false belief. You know, that is not true. It is okay for me to shine in my wholeness and integrity. It is okay. And so, I mean, what's so interesting is that since going to the process, one of the ways that the process lives in me is that I am actually now, as I'm nearing my 50th year, I am actually now more childlike and playful and have more capacity having gone through the process. I've, I'm actually more willing and able to take risks than ever before. 
I'm able to to venture out and do things that I would never have imagined doing, you know, even free process, right, in this way. And what's that like to have that agency around risk-taking and the, the desire and even the ability to step into your more playful side? Um, yeah, to, as you say, take risk in, in representing who you are, the spirit-embodied self. What's that like for you? What that's like is this creative, dynamic embodiment. I've been trained in yoga. I have like hundreds of hours of yoga training. I've taken dance training courses. I've done intensive retreats, solo retreats within the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. I I just have all of this like all of this joy in my life force in my expression in in embodiment. I wake up I wake up every morning at 4:28 a.m. and I hike 5 miles a day. And I do that in Minnesota 350 days because there's about 15 days where we have this um, polar vortex that where the temperatures are minus 25 below zero. So I don't go out in those 15 days. But otherwise, I hike about 350 days a year. And on those morning hikes along the nature trails in Stillwater, Minnesota, and along the St. Croix River, I utilize these tools and practices that I, you know, took home with me from the Hoffman Institute. You know, I'm out in the dark dancing, you know, singing. You know, we have this we have this old lift bridge. I'll get to the bridge by 5 a.m. It's pitch black. And I like am out there belting defying gravity from wicked, you know, because I just have this joie de vivre, right? This joy for living and this courage to be myself as a result of the process. I mean, I was talking with one of my colleagues. I said, you know, how do you see this living in me? And she said, well, it's interwoven into every aspect of what it is that you do. You had mentioned earlier that it is as though the Hoffman process has become a part of the treatment plan um, for many of my patients. That is absolutely true. And I have this opportunity. I also lead the graduate groups here in, in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. So I have this like unique ability to send, to encourage people, send people to the process. And then I get to watch them. I've watched people now since 2006, 2005. You know, I've watched them over years and I've watched how people have benefited, who have used the tools, and how people have fallen away from the tools. And then I've watched how people have come back to the tools and how it can radically transform, as I say, radically transform or awaken this notion that we are spiritual beings having this human experience in this profound way and just really, I'm, I'm getting a little impassioned here. So. I uh, know. I love it, Jason Eric. What are some of the tools that you um, use? I'm, I'm picturing you there in the dark, singing, dancing, using tools. What, what, what are your go-tos when you talk about some of the uh, process tools and practices? The primary tool is the quadrinity check, where we are taught to check in with our emotional self 
where I become really clear about how old am I? What are the feelings that I have? I've really become, you know, an expert at knowing what it is that I'm feeling and getting really clear about what do I need? What do I need? And how will I feel when I get what I need? And then tapping into my adult intellect and the intellect puts its stranglehold on the emotional expression. And then the body, you know, I can be on in my morning walk, my morning hike, and my body can say, look, you need to do some expressive work here. And so I can really get into, you know, some primal movement, primal dance, you know, really expressing out in the dark and, you know, on these trails, you can just let it all out. You can say what you need to say. You can reclaim something that you've lost hold of, you can get a really clear grounding. I've really come to rely on my spiritual self. I can really get a clear message from my spiritual self about what do I need? What do I need? Not what the world tells me, right? Not what my family wants from me, not what my partner wants from me, but what do I need in order to shine in my wholeness and integrity to be a living representative of love and light today. So I do these hikes and then I go back and I start my day at 7 a.m. That's when I meet my first patient and all of this intentionality, all of the, um, that experience, you know, that self-awareness goes into my work with my patients and my, and the people that I work with um, for spiritual direction. It's almost like you are trusting yourself and feeding your being through those walks and the expressive embodied work that you do through the hiking and the the quadrinity checks. And then uh, you take that and then bring deep presence to your patients starting at 7 a.m. and then allow that to guide you. I just keep coming to this embodied representative of love and light. Is that how you framed it? Oh, yes. I mean, yes. And it's so interesting because one time I was leading a graduate group here and I said, as you can hear, I be, I'm very passionate. I get real, like, I'm, I like can't contain the joy that I'm experiencing right now. My body's vibrating. I'm like, I just feel this aliveness, the life force coursing through me. And I said in this graduate group, I am a living representative of love and light. And so are you. This young woman got so mad, you know, who had gone to the process, she got so mad at me, because she only heard me say, I am. And so it was such an it was such a beautiful opportunity, you know, where we could together come to realize that she was in this negative transference with me. And, uh, it became a very profound healing moment for, for this individual because I said, dear heart, you know, you, you too are a living representative of love and light. This is our birthright. And this is part of what I think Bob Hoffman was trying to say with all the ways that he put the process together. Your happiness, your well-being, all of these things, this is your responsibility, not anyone else's. Everything that you do can reflect this, you know, this place of love and light, of being a representative of love and light. Jason Eric, you referenced um, the the negative transference that this person was in, and 
And I think for our listeners to understand this idea of being the embodied representative of love and light, it's not always easy. It's fraught with struggle and challenge, and that's normal too, right? It's not just a joyful journey. Oh, no. I did the process in 2005, and sadly, one of my beloved mentors completed suicide in, 2000, in March of 2007, and it had an absolutely devastating impact on my life and my life force. And what is true is that I was able to really recognize the dark side messages that were coming through. You know, after my mentor's death, I was able to see the, all of the patterns that were trying to come in, like the scaffolding of false self, right? That these patterning, those patterns were coming in to like try to protect me. And I was able to like, you know, over and over. And now look, it took me 11 years to really move through the grief and loss of my beloved mentor. 11 years. But that doesn't mean that I didn't continue to move through my day or, or do my work or do my practices. I had to come into a new understanding of who it is that I am in relationship to the cosmos as a result of that kind of adversity. And I'll say also that, you know, this year, adversity struck again, where I thought that I was on a particular trajectory or course in my life in terms of my work in the world, but where I thought I was going to be putting a great deal of my life force for the next, you know, 25 years, the container completely imploded. And as a result, you know, I have faced this tremendous adversity that has asked me to really, again, look at what are the patterns that are arising as a result of the implosion of this uh, vehicle that I thought, you know, was going to be my path. I was able to remain calm and I also have grief. I'm able to um, be present and I'm, I have confusion. How did this happen? What, what were the circumstances? You know, it brought up many of the feelings that I had in my childhood. But as these patterns arise, I'm able to do this pattern tracing, this simple process of pattern tracing, and I'm able to see clearly, sometimes only momentarily, right? Because when we're in pain, when we're in adversity, the dark side messages come up strong. We are offered this opportunity with the tools that the process gives us to step back, to, to really tap into our strength, to tap into our spirit, to tap into our life force, to stay grounded and to, to come back into this role. In the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, this role, you know, is called the, the way of the Bodhisattva. Anyone can be a representative of love and light, you know, if you are willing to adhere to your inner light, if you're, and you're, if you're willing to not allow it to be stifled or altered by, because of the individuals around you who have discomfort with that expression. You really do see a connection between homeopathy, the work of the process, and some of the Buddhist traditions. You, you see it all sort of intertwined, don't you, Jason Eric? 
Yes, I absolutely do. Tibetan Buddhism offers many methods to retrain your mind, which we know now with neuroscience, you know, changes your brain. That this is also true with what happens at the Hoffman Institute. As I said, there's this crucible. You go in to this op- once in a lifetime opportunity to do this fearless and searching inventory of your patterns to meet your parents both real and imagined and to lift them up off of your uh, off of your inner light and so that you can shine more brightly right to begin to work with and transform so many things that are locked in that are held in that are held back because of our own fear which i love to say fear is false evidence appearing real the process the buddhism homeopathy are we're all, these are all ways of saying can you come back to what is actually your essential nature which is that of light if we really understood this it just would completely revolutionize our entire world i think i think that's what all the i think so many and it's not just buddhism i think any of the great traditions religious and spiritual traditions of the world can bring you there but this is this is what enables me to stay grounded and to keep moving forward or to stay grounded and to take my seat and face clearly whatever adversity is that is arising yes thank you for sharing the the more recent journey around professionally what you thought was going to happen and then navigating the distress and the grief and the challenges and the adversity as you say of of what happened and how did i get here and what are the patterns that emerge and as you say the the exquisite and yet simple tool of pattern tracing so so jason eric let me ask you a question as we wind down what's it like to you talked about being impassioned and your body vibrating but you've sort of taken a survey of your work and your personal life and and spoken about the process and the the changing of the neurochemistry neurobiology what's it like for you to to talk about this what do you notice well right now drew as i'm talking to you i'm just filled with this sense of awe there's just such a sense of awe in this in that I'm still here. I am here. I'm alive. I'm alive, right? Like this is so awesome. And the world, the cosmos, our planet, politics, all these things can be so challenging. Our families, the holidays, right? These things can be so challenging, but we can we can. There is a way to meet them. Whatever arises as a spirit-led being. As I've been preparing to talk with you, I've been thinking about my life and my journey and it is so profound. I'm just amazed that I am where I am today and I'm and even though I've had some very difficult experiences which we all do. That's what this is what life is about. Is about facing whatever arises and seeing what can happen next. What what's possible? and it's my responsibility to listen to my inner light to my spiritual self to respond rather than react right to become a a responsive person to whatever 
life presents to me as an opportunity to grow and heal and deepen. Jason, Eric, thank you for taking us uh, so personally through your, your journey and professionally sharing your wisdom of the practice, as you say, your thriving practice of homeopathy as a spiritual director and for leading the grad group in Minnesota there. I'm grateful for this conversation. Thank you, Drew. Thank you for asking me to step forward and share with you the way of the spirit, really. listening to our podcast. My name is Liza Ingrassi. I'm the CEO and president of Hoffman Institute Foundation. And I'm Ras Ingrassi, Hoffman teacher and founder of the Hoffman Institute Foundation. Our mission is to provide people greater access to the wisdom and power of love. In themselves, in each other, and in the world. To find out more, please go to hoffmaninstitute.org.